I want to welcome all of you to our Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, this is a, a regular annual service that we have on the eve of Christmas. We usher in Christmas Day. And I wanted to share some thoughts on Christmas because of the uh, day itself, but also uh, just to help us find out what Christmas means. And I've entitled my sermon today, Joy to the World, which is, of course, the very popular and well-known Christmas carol uh, that we've just sung. But it's really, uh, in a sense, expressing what was said in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 10. When the angels spoke to the shepherds, he said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I look at the news, it's not good news. Seems like. So much of it seems to be bad news. I mean, just recently, we had that landslide in Malaysia. I heard this morning they just found the last missing person, a young child, 11-year-old boy. Uh, if you read the news, you see that COVID is running away in China because they've tried to open up. But you know, the estimate now is that they will expect a million people to die from COVID in China, which is... In a sense, if you look at it statistically, it's only uh, less than 1% of the entire Chinese population. But still, that's a lot of people. We know, of course, in Europe that war is still going on in the Ukraine. And there seems to be no end in sight. You know, for the first time, Putin has admitted it's a war. And um, uh, if you read the news and you're interested and you've got investments, you are also concerned because... Uh, it seems like 2023, the world, the globe may be heading towards a recession, uh, a global recession. And, you know, I don't know about you, there's enough bad news. I want to hear some good news. Do you want to hear good news? Of course. But before we get to the good news, it's important for us to understand the bad news. Not just on a macro scale, global scale, but on the uh, personal level especially. This verse is uh, the third verse in Joy to the World that was originally written by Isaac Watts. And in many versions, including the ones which we'll be singing, this verse gets dropped. Um, because it's, uh, if, if you read the, the, the whole carol, um, uh, the author based it on Psalm 98. And this part didn't come from Psalm 98. It actually came from Genesis chapter 3. But it's what helps us understand the good news and why there's so much joy. He says, No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Talking about the fact that when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, sin entered the world. And the world was cursed because of that sin. And the bad news we face is due to that curse of sin. And he points out, the, the hymn writer says that Jesus comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And to say that, you know, he wants to reverse the curse in that sense. I'm not sure how many of you are literary, and I was talking about this with my wife, and I realized, you know, there's a forgotten art of poetry. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of uh, school children now don't do literature anymore, and we don't do a lot of poetry, but... If you do poetry, there's a famous uh, poem by W.H. Uh, Auden, and it's actually part of a Christmas uh, oratio and the Advent section. 
for the time being, he has this uh, stanza, this verse which says, We who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act? The infinite become a finite fact. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. And he's pointing to this uh, fact of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, infinite God, becoming a human man as a baby, becoming finite for our purposes because nothing can save us that is possible. What we need to save us from the bad news is something that's beyond what's possible. Now, you stop and you think about it. You know, most of us, I think, cope fairly well in life. I look across this room, you all look like very decent people and folks. You're well-dressed, you're well-groomed. So I assume, you know, most of us have our act together. Of course, you know, appearances can be deceiving. But nonetheless, most of us are able to deal with all our everyday problems, right? So this verse maybe seems a bit remote to us and like, what's he talking about? <laughs> because, you know, you think about all your everyday problems. For example, if you happen to drive, you wake up in the morning, you want to go to work, and then you discover eh, the car doesn't start. Oh, battery flat. If you've got an AA membership, you call AA. If not, you call, you know, some workshop to come, change your battery, problem solved. Or if you're like me, I guess who, I buy this uh, um, uh, uh, battery, right? What, what's it called? Anyway, you can actually plug um, a power bank into your car battery and then you can jumpstart your car. <laughs> That's even better. Don't even need to call anyone, pay anyone anything. You know, you can do that. Or if you wake up in the morning and you've got a headache, take two Panadol. Though I heard now Panadol stock's very low, right? <laughs> Ibuprofen works as well, right? Uh, uh, what's it called? Neurofen. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, or worse, kind of worse, call in sick, MC. I know a lot of people after World Cup call MC. <laughs> Not because they were sick, but they had a headache from staying up too late at night. Or you mess up. You do something which angers someone, your loved one. You can fix it. Apologize, right? You can mend things. Most of us get by. You know, and if we can't do it, we get a little help from our friends. They'll help us do it. But there are some things in life which are really beyond us. Whether you go to a doctor and suddenly you get a diagnosis in which the medical experts are baffled. They can't figure out what's wrong. They know something is wrong, but they don't know how to cure it. Or you find yourself struggling with an unwanted obsession or attraction, which is ruining your life because it's turning your life upside down. And you're distressed. Or maybe you have a friend who just got a divorce or is headed towards a divorce. And they tell you, you know, they tried everything they knew to save their marriage. Tried marriage counselling, they tried you know, to be a better husband or father, and nothing seems to save their marriage. Everything seems impossible. And you know, when you stop and you think about the bad news and the darkness that we face in this world, it's very easy for us to often point to something external and lay the blame somewhere else. But the reality is so much of the darkness comes from within. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a famous uh, dissident from Russia, but also an author and uh, thinker, 
He said this in his book, The Gulag Archipelago. The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside us. It oscillates with the years. What he's trying to say is that all of us have good and evil that we struggle with within. When we talk about the bad news as if it's something out there, but the reality is the bad news is also within us. That's why, folks, you know, Santa Claus is not good news. I remember years ago, my wife pointed out a news article to me in uh, Japan. Someone passing a shop window saw a figurine of Santa Claus hanging on a cross. <laughs> Someone got mixed up, you know, as to what Christmas is all about. You know, as the popular song about Santa Claus says, right, he's making a list. He's checking it twice, trying to find out who's naughty or nice. Right? So Santa Claus wants to pay back all of us, whether we're naughty or nice. And the reality is, because what uh, Solzhenitsyn points out, evil running through the hearts of each and every human person, all of us are both nice and naughty at the same time. We can be good at times, but at times there's so much evil that's within us. I remember years ago, a friend of mine posted, uh, you know, parents like to uh, take note of what their kids say and then they post it because it's very funny. Except this was funny in a sad way. <laughs> you know, uh, he talked about the older daughter and the younger daughter. And, you know, siblings get along, but sometimes they uh, can fight. <laughs> and uh, the younger daughter was saying, well, I know I'm not evil. And she says, I know I'm not evil because I was thinking of taking my uh, toothbrush and scrubbing the toilet with it and putting it back. But I didn't do it. <laughs> so she's not evil because she didn't act upon the thought that she had. But that's the reality of the bad news. But the good news is this, in verse 11, the angels continue to say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You think about the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, it was full of the impossible. If you've read the Christmas story, what comes before this uh, in, in, in Luke's Gospel, you read about the fact that Mary, who was only betrothed, to Joseph, i.e. was not yet married, was found to be with child. And Joseph knew she didn't sleep with her, and you know he was trying to put her aside. We saw that last week, those of us who were in service uh, in Matthew's Gospel. And an angel had to appear and say, no, this child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a miraculous conception. It's not done in the normal human way. She's pure. She's chaste. She's not done nothing wrong. And that was a miracle. But what's even more miraculous, you know, last week I was talking about this as Joseph, the intended husband, he was willing to go ahead and marry her <laughs> and trusted that angel, angelic message, and he obeyed. That's a miracle in and of itself as well. But if you look at this passage of Scripture, you know, there's much more to this Christmas story that I think uh, we need to look at because it's good news 
You know, if you look right to the uh, start of the passage, it begins this way. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Caesar Augustus was the emperor of the Roman Empire. And, you know, what you see here is not like, you watch Star Wars, right? In the beginning of Star Wars, every movie, it starts like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then it's got this scroll which tells you the story and set up the whole thing. And it tells you basically this is not true. It's fiction. But when we look at the birth of Jesus, Luke, who was writing this account, pointed out that this is a historical reality. He placed it in history. The fact that, you know, Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem was because of something that happened far, far away in the capital of the empire at the time, Rome. That for whatever reason, we don't know why, the emperor decided we need to register and find out how many people are under us. Most likely, it's because they wanted to make sure they collect the right amount of taxes you know, and keep uh, accounts because running an empire is expensive. But if you go on and you carry on in the story of this uh, um, account of Jesus' birth, you also see that not only is Jesus' birth a historical reality, that his birth, that his coming to earth was meant for all. In verse 8 and 9, we read, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's a setup to the verse which I'm using as the basis of what I'm, I'm sharing you. But I don't know if you know anything about shepherds in uh, the day when Jesus was born, in, in first century of uh, Palestine. You know, we have these figurines, and they look, you know, cute and sometimes handsome or, uh, you know, very... Um, um, nice picture of what a shepherd is. But, you know, it's interesting because yesterday there was actually a story in the Straits Times. Yeah, I still read Straits Times, okay? <laughs> I need to keep up with the news. But there was a story in the Straits Times about the fact that um, security officers, are, uh, many of them, 60% of them want to quit. They want to give up. And you read further into the story, at least 40% of them face some kind of abuse in their job. And you realize that in Singapore, security guards are one of the lowest paid uh, professions in our, our city, in one of the most expensive cities of the world. Right? There are people who keep night watch, quite like what shepherds do in Jesus' day, and they're not people of high status. Certainly, the shepherds were not of high status. You know, it's uh, discovered that historians studied, and shepherds were among the group of people who are not allowed to testify in court because their testimony was considered not reliable because many of them may not be, you know, um, very intelligent, to put it mildly, which is why they're sent out to look after the sheep. And yet, God chose to bring the message of God's good news to them first. They were the first witnesses to what God was doing to the good news that was about to break into the world. And we continue in this passage. 
And, you know, as he, they were told that this good news is coming, that the Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem, he continued, the angel continued to say this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What's the good news we long for? You know, it seems a little bit trite and cliched, but a lot of people would say, world peace. And it's not just an answer that beauty contestants make, (laughs) or at least that's a cliché. But that's really our desire. And we're not talking just about global peace, a lack of war, but peace in our relationships with one another. Peace in my heart, to still my anxious heart. And that's what God promises through His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, In the Old Testament reading that Sean all read, Uh, the passage which Isaiah prophesied 600 years before Jesus was born. He said, For us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, that he will be a ruler, that he will reign. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I didn't put the next verse, and it says that of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. That was the promise that was made. And that is what Jesus represents. I'm going to end with this illustration, which I think is kind of interesting. And it was first uh, uh, spoken about by uh, uh, a bishop by the name of Tom Wright, N.T. Wright. He's also a theologian. And he tells the story of two kings. On the right, see, on the right is Caesar Augustus the one who called for this uh, census uh, registration. But on the left is an artist's depiction, an icon of uh, Jesus Christ. Two kings. Caesar Augustus had Pax Romana, which is what was famous uh, for the Roman Empire, that they brought peace in the entire empire, which is why the empire thrived, why it was possible for them to travel all over the Roman Empire because there was peace in the land. And they accomplished what no other empire could before them. Because they had the funds, and they were able to tax the, the places they conquered, and were then able to you know, rule with an iron fist to enforce that peace. And this peace that Caesar Augustus brought was upon those with whom his favor rested. So if you are favored... Uh, by the uh, um, emperor, Augustus gave peace as long as it was consistent with the interests of the empire and the myth of his own glory, says one uh, historian. That's the peace he brought. But on the other hand, Jesus Christ, a king who brought, brought about Pax Christi, you know, because the emperor lifted a finger some 2,300 kilometers away in Rome, a young teen mom had to walk for a week from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that they could be registered. And in that 
town of Bethlehem, a king was born. But this king's birth caused the angels to sing, proclaiming good news and peace on earth. This is because this child that was born was also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He himself, God himself came to bring the peace of God to us, to make things right between us and God. That's the most important peace that we need. But also that this internal peace will eventually bring about external peace. You see, the problem of sin is resolved by Jesus' death on the cross. In a moment, we will celebrate Holy Communion, which is what we do uh, frequently. And in the communion, there is a wafer which represents the bread and the body of Christ, which is broken for us. And the wine, which is His blood, which was shed for us. It is to remind us that God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These two kings had different methods to bring about peace. One king killed people so that he could enforce his peace. The other gave himself to be killed so that he might bring about peace. One wielded the sword. The other did it love. And that's the miracle of Christmas. That's why we sing in this carol, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And let heaven and nature sing. Let's bow our heads in prayer. take a moment just to reflect on this message, to consider the good news that God brought 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born as a child in a manger, which is a feeding trough in the town of Bethlehem. And that event is what we celebrate this evening and is being celebrated all around the world. And that's why we believe that joy can enter into our lives. Father God, we come before you, before your throne of grace. We thank you for this wonderful message of peace that you bring. A peace that the world cannot give. A peace which surpasses human understanding. A peace that begins from being at peace with you knowing that our sins are forgiven, not because we are worthwhile, not because we are worthy of it, but because you paid the price for our sins when your son Jesus died on the cross for us. And Father, we ask and pray that you would help us to receive this peace, that you would prepare a room in our hearts for him, that as you come and you stand at the door of our hearts and you knock, that Lord, we would open that door 
so that Jesus might come in to fellowship with us, to have a meal with us, and for us to get to know him. We ask, Lord, that this Christmas will be different because, Lord, the turmoil will finally come to rest because we find our rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And to make sure that we have uh, time to count down, we're going to skip the Nicene Creed. Let us stand as we share the peace with each other.